This is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. Welcome back. For part two with Jonah Platt, we talk about his future, fulfillment, books he's reading, and so much more. So I hope you enjoy this part two and keep on keeping on. Do you still write to this day at this you know present moment? Are you working? Oh, on yeah. B- big time. Yes. Okay. I, I, uh, I, have an, I have an animated show that I'm going to take to market with just in the next couple weeks. Uh, luckily, animation is one of the few entertainment mediums that is booming right now. Um, It it easily has continued to function in these uh, quarantine times, and the number of buyers has really proliferated as well. So there's so many different places who are doing animation and are eager for it, and it just so happened that the project that I was sort of excited about and working on and that seems to be a really great idea that people are excited about is uh, an animation project. And I'm just waiting on some artwork so we can finalize our materials and then we're going to go out and try to sell this thing. That's incredibly exciting. Are you... Yeah, I'm pumped. You write in the morning, in the evening? Do you have like a time of day that's best? (sighs) Um, That's a good (laughs) question. It's... um, I like to get in the morning if I can. But really, it's sort of shifted now. I mean, it's a, a lot of questions like that. There's like the corona answer and there's the pre-corona answer. Sure. Um, with, the, with the corona answer, you know, my, my day is really kind of based on my son's naps is how I schedule my day. Sure. And my son naps from like 9-ish to 10.30 and then again from like 2 to 4-ish. I try to get, if I'm going to do some writing, that, that 9 to 11-ish morning block is a great sweet spot. So that's where I like definitely try to get stuff done. Um, I'm not... That, you know, if I was writing a screenplay or something, and that was my main focus, and this wasn't the corona time, what I would probably do is, you know, leave the house... What I would do is leave the house in the morning and try to give myself all day to keep taking wax at it. Um, sure. But now that that's not that's not really what our life is. And I sort of prefer to write in kind of bursts anyways. I'll just get into a groove for a little bit and then take a break and then get into another little groove for a little bit and take a break and then maybe do a little bit more in the evening, which is very counter to what I used to do. I write, I write very well at night, um, which isn't my wife's favorite because she'd prefer to be hanging out. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, but I, I, do, I do great when, you know, it's quiet and everybody's asleep and I can just sort of focus and there's no distractions. Um, until I was married, I did, mo- I did a lot of writing at night. Yeah. Um, but I have to adapt because I live with another person. Uh, so now it's sort of, yeah, around the naps. I know, you know, and it's so funny as I as I was doing the research and learning more and crafting questions, I then come across Jagged Little Pill that you uh, assistant music supervised, which is so we're talking you're talking Broadway Jagged Little Pill. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, cuz I I did my own Jagged Little Pill show in 2014, so I didn't know which one you were talking I'm about. I'm talking about the one at the ART. Yes, yes. Yeah, how okay, so in another come about story, how did that how did you join that? What was that Connection. Okay, so in 2014, uh, me and another woman uh, came up with this idea to do a show called Jagged Little Pill, where we were going to take that album, and without any dialogue, we were going to do the album in order and tell a musical story with it. 
Um, I think we, and as anyone who saw it would tell you, we really achieved something special. Uh, we told a really interesting story. It has almost nothing to do with the, the one that ended up being on Broadway. It's a completely different story. Sure. Um, but, but I got to, you know, rearrange and orchestrate that whole album and turn it into a show for like a, I think it was a seven person ensemble, um, which was an awesome experience and some of my best work, if I may say so myself as a, as an arranger. And so then I read that they were going to be doing Jagged Little Pill as a real thing. And I happened to have a relationship with Tom Kitt through, I don't remember how, like my wife had worked with him and my dad had worked with him and my brother had worked with him. So everybody knew Tom. I'd met him a little bit. I didn't know him that well yet. Um, but he's, he is quite literally the nicest man in show business. Like anyone who knows Tom Kitt will tell you that you, you just couldn't meet a nicer individual aside from being the busiest and hardest working man. Um, but he was so nice. And I reached, I sent him an email. I said, Tom, you know, I see you're doing Jagged Little Pill. I've actually already done all of it. Not that you need anyone helping or telling you what to do in any way, but if there's any way I can be helpful to you, I would love to be a part of it. And he said, absolutely, come on, come on in. So for the first couple workshops, I was Tom's, like, assistant. And uh, I would throw uh, arrangement and vocal harmony stuff ideas at him and uh, take notes for him and try to help him with charts and stuff. And uh, I gave him a lot of feedback, which he was really open and receptive to. And it was a really terrific experience. And then, you know, as it took off, as it went to, you know, ART and Broadway, I had was fortunately had my own stuff going on to the point where it didn't make sense for me to be leaving my projects to, you know, go assist in music supervise something. But uh, the I got to build some nice relationships with some of the folks in the show and certainly strengthened my bond with Tom and have um, some stuff in the show that I get to listen to and know that I helped plant it there which is exciting <laughs> how awesome that's so cool and you bring up, yeah you bring up yeah. a great point how you you kind of stopped working on the project because of your other projects that were taking place with prioritizing how have you gotten better at prioritizing all of these different that's a great question ventures um, yeah it's funny uh, it's sort of like I'll often tell people when I give advice, I, I, I mentor a lot of people, I give a lot of advice, I really enjoy doing it. Um, and one of the first pieces of, of advice I'll give to people who are starting out is you have to say yes to everything. Because when you're just starting, you never know what, what's going to lead to what, you always have to say yes. Mm-hmm. And I still try to say yes to almost everything, but now I've reached the point where I have to really weigh the, and, and, and I can make an educated guess as to the career benefit of something and so i guess what i'll prioritize now is you know what's going to help me relationship wise is there going to be a beneficial high level relationship i can make out of this um exposure wise is this going to be something that is going to give me a boost in the public eye is this going to get written about um are there people of note who are going to come and see this Uh, i have to think about that stuff and then it's a matter of just sort of of what, what's got juice right now. Sure. So, for, for instance, you know, my, my animated show is the most, uh, is the closest right now to being something. 
So if anything ever pops up for that that requires my attention, that goes to the top of the list. Because, you know, that's, that's, that has a, a time attached to it and uh, momentum with it. So you want to make sure you're feeding that fire. Um, but otherwise, it's just a sort of about, you know, trying to gauge the opportunity. And, uh, and then all things being equal, think, you know, what, what am I the most passionate about? What's gonna, what do I think is going to make me the happiest to be involved with? If it's, you know, oh, this is a great director, but I think the part's going to suck and they're performing it in a closet and uh, it's going to be 100 hours and I'm going to be away from my family and, you know, I got to weigh that too. And, right. and maybe that might be something I would consider saying no to. Um, but like I said, I really try to say yes to a lot because even in the most random of projects, if there's even one element that's a positive, uh, it might be worth it. You, if, if there's, in, 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 the, in the example I just gave you, it, it, if I had nothing else going on, the opportunity to work with that, you know, Tony-winning director might, would probably be worth it if I had nothing else going on, even if everything else about the project sounded terrible. Just to build that relationship and show that director something I could do might pay off three moves down the line. So it's worth, worth going for. Yeah. How do you how do you balance achievement versus fulfillment? Are they one and the same for you? That's a tough question. Achievement and fulfillment. Um, no, they're not one and the same. Um, I think, and that's sort of been the that's that ties in a little bit to the enjoy the journey thing because you have to find fulfillment all along the way and. Uh, a sense of achievement in everything you're doing, even if it's sort of like, if it's not the big fish that you're going after. Um, so even if it's not, you know, even if I'm not going to win awards and be on a stage for a thousand people uh, for a certain role, if it's a show that I love and a part that's great that I feel good in and I can get people in my community to come see it and get positive reinforcement and, you know, it can fill me up in a lot of other ways. And that definitely feels like an achievement. So I guess in some ways it is one and the same. Um, but it's, it's important to, to really, I guess, consider both. Because uh, I feel like, I guess, one is sort of empty without the other. Yeah, has in, just speaking right now, present day, is one uh, leading you down a path more than the other? Does, is one pulling you in a certain direction more than the other? Yeah, I, I think I'm definitely, well, I, 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 I've always been extremely hungry, but now that I right. feel like if it's, if it's possible to, I don't know if it's, what I'm trying to say is I feel like I'm even hungrier right now, which isn't necessarily true because I've always been so hungry, but now that I feel like I'm very, I feel like I'm very close sure. to breaking through to a level where I've been trying to be for the last I don't know, like seven, eight years since I, basically since Wicked, I feel like I stepped into a new sort of level and I've been trying to push past that level to get to the next one. Um, and I, it feels like I'm close. So I, I'm, I'm trying to achieve for sure and get through there. But at the same time, I'm not beating myself up and I'm making sure that I find some, something to enjoy about everything I'm doing. There, there hasn't been anything I've, involved, I've been involved in recently that I've regretted being involved in or have been, excuse me, or have been miserable while doing. The, uh, the, the, really the only thing that I can think of where it feels like 
if I did it now, it would be about achievement and not fulfillment. It would be if I went back to the staff TV writing world. Right. I, I sort of realized that why, why I was happy to sort of leave that when I did was I was not feeling fulfilled. I, I was just sort of on this track of trying to claw my way up the ladder. And so much of it is out of your hands where, you know, I, I worked on four or five different shows and things out of my control kept making me have to go to another show and start me back at the bottom again. Mm. And after, you know, a number of years and another of shows of, you know, for one show, it was the showrunner never hired people up on another show. We got canceled, even though things were going really well for me on another show, it was, they had already hired all the assistants up. So there was no more room for me and they wouldn't give me a script for three years. And so it, it just kept yeah. being a circumstance thing, you know, and so much of making an entertainment is luck. It's just a right place, right time kind of thing uh, that things you have no control over. And I just didn't have the luck there. And I, in, in the long run, maybe it will end up being a lucky thing because I, what I learned is that unless it's my project, um, where I really feel ownership, it's just not as fulfilling for me. And it just feels a little bit too much like work and not fun. Um, and so that would be it's a, a route I wouldn't want to go down now because it would just be about career advancement and not fulfillment. I, I really have to ask, after seeing everything you've done and worked on, is there a, is there a word you have that kind of summarizes the level you want to be at? Uh, you know, as opposed a word. To, yeah, like you know, like a producer, yeah. writer, director, performer, of some other word that I'm not even naming. Re- really, it would just be, I guess, you know, an entity or a player. You know, I, I just sure. want to be at the position where I'm enough of a or, or known quantity. Let's say that. Sure. Uh, you know, I, I want to be at the place where opportunities are coming to me because of the name I've made for myself and the profile that I have and the work that I have uh, uh, created that can speak for me, uh, where I'm not having to claw so hard every time to create my own opportunities. I'm trying to get to that place where more stuff comes to me, which is um, the dream. Yeah, yeah. Do you have favorite books, most gifted books? Any books that stand out in your mind on any topic that you enjoy? (laughs) Wait, so ask that again? Favorite books, like most gifted Favorite books, books that you've read that you enjoy? Most gifted books. Well, I, I'm a voracious reader. Uh, I read a lot, and I read a lot of different genres and types of books. I have, even now, I'm reading like three or four books at the same time. Fiction? Um, I, so they're, they're all different. So I'm reading one fiction. I, I enjoy a lot of different kinds of fiction. I'm reading a book called Noble House. That's, I don't know, 40 years old, 30, 40 years old, by an author named James Clavell, who likes to write about, like, East meets West intrigue in Hong Kong over the <laughs> centuries. He's the guy who wrote, he wrote about, he wrote the book Shogun, yeah. which is his most famous book. Yeah. yeah, so Shogun is, like, chronologically the first in the series. Noble House is, like, the fourth or fifth. Um, so I'm reading that on the one hand. I'm reading Sacred Hoops by Phil Jackson, on the other hand, um, which uh, I was watching The Last Dance, the Michael Jordan documentary, and they did the little part about Phil, who was the coach, and he mentioned his book, and so I wanted to read that. I love Phil Jackson. I'm a Lakers fan. He won 
five titles with the Lakers. Yes. So I wanted to read that book, and he's he's also you know he's the Zen master, is what they call him, and I'm. Uh-huh. I have been over the years very interested in into Zen Buddhism and have, you know, practiced it and studied it and read a lot about it. So I was interested to see, and I love basketball. So to hear from like the greatest coach ever about his experience with Zen and basketball and teamwork and how best to get a group of people to unify, to achieve a common goal. That felt like a really interesting read to me right now, especially as I'm thinking about hopefully selling this animated show and maybe taking on a, you know, a showrunner position or a, you know, at least a leadership role in a, in a, my own show at some point, just more leadership skills would be helpful. Um, so I'm reading those right now. I'm reading, uh, my buddy Ben Sheehan wrote a book called, uh, about, gosh, I I feel terrible because I can't remember the exact name, but it's like, OMG, what's in the constitution or something. And he basically breaks down the constitution into words we can all understand. Uh, and he just released it. Ben Sheehan is his name. Uh, and that's great. Cause like, you know, you hear about it so much in the news and there's like so much political garbage out there yeah. and, uh, yeah. to actually know what's in our, con- <laughs> to yeah. know what's in our constitution is really interesting. So I have that by my bed too. And I, and I get to that, you know, whenever I'm not reading noble house and sacred hoops. Oh my goodness. Oh, I feel like we could go for another <laughs> another 40 minutes, but I'm going to I'm going to wrap us up here. I am curious. Um it, metaphorically speaking, is there a word or a phrase that you would put on a billboard for millions of people to see? Does any quote, short story, anything come to mind? For, for millions of people to see for what purpose? Uh, well, it can be whatever it, it can be, you know, tune into the next thing you're writing or it can be uh, inspirational or it can be a sentiment that mm. you hold dear to your heart. Hmm. Well, uh, I'll say I'll say one that just popped into my head. Um, I would put "just keep going," um, which is something that my grandmother Sue of blessed memory would always say to me. Um, I think it popped in my head because I've been thinking about her a lot because my her husband, my grandpa, died about a week and a half ago. I'm sorry. Um, thank you. Uh, and he he was not doing well for a number of years, so it was not a big surprise. But mm-hmm. you know, it's. Any, any death in these times right now is, is more difficult than usual because you're not able to mourn and be together the way you would usually be. Um, but I've been thinking about her and him a lot, and I can hear her voice in my ear over the years just always saying to me, just keep going, keep going. Um, and it's one of those things that when I was younger wouldn't really stick with me, and I would kind of, it's just like, oh, something my grandma says. And, you know, I'm wrapped up in my head and my own anxieties and insecurities and doubts and X, Y, Z, but it really is so true. And now as I've sort of found my confidence and my peace with the challenge and weird topsy-turvy path that I'm on, just keep going has been, is a great mantra for me. And whenever I'm at this point, when I'm feeling doubtful or I'm, you know, losing confidence or I'm questioning if I'm doing the right thing, remembering just keep going as simple as it is, uh, has really been a nice, yeah, mantra for me to remember and, 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 and a nice guiding light. So I feel like if somebody saw that on a billboard, it might hit somebody else right where they need it to, uh, to inspire them to just keep going. That's beautiful, Jonah. 
I really appreciate you sharing all of this with us today. This is such a it's such a tight conversation, and I really enjoy the the slice of humanity that you've shared in your path. And I'm excited. I'm just excited to see what what the next wide ranging group of things you you do are. So I appreciate. I really appreciate Thanks, it. Boy. I love the quote. Is there anything else you want to add before we end here? <sighs> anything else I want to add? Well, you know, in terms of advice i gave some of the good ones which is you know aside from just keep going um say yes to everything that you can yeah um and um then another tip for sort of people who are maybe looking for a, a way or just starting is to find a community just like pick somewhere to base yourself and um do some stuff and meet some people and gain your confidence and work on your skills somewhere in a low stakes environment. And you never know what's going to grow out of that. Um, I'll also, I'll quickly plug, um, that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm my other big writing project is, uh, the giver musical based on the book. Um, and, uh, we're a number of years into that and wrapping up demos in the last couple songs for what I'll call the working draft. Finally, after we've been gone through a couple to figure out the adaptation, but uh, that's a really exciting project that I'm working on that uh, I hope will be coming to a stage near you in the next, I mean, who knows when theater's coming back, but let's say sometime <laughs> in the next two years. Where can or where will we be able to find more about The Giver Musical? We'll be able to find more about The Giver Musical and anything else I'm doing uh, at jonaplatt.com. If you join my newsletter, I always put a blast out. I don't, I don't blast for anything except if I have upcoming stuff. So that's the only update you'll get from me is, hey, tune into this or buy tickets to this. Um, and you can follow me on social. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Jonah Platt. And uh, I'm always putting up new concert footage and videos and stuff on my YouTube, which is youtube.com slash Jonah P-L-A. Jonah P-L-A. Jonah, thank you for taking this phone call and this chat. And I just really appreciate it. I can't wait to share it with the world. Thank you so much. And it's such insightful and, and wonderful questions. So it really was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Jonah Platt. You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another Curiosity Conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening.